Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode, and I'm here with a brand new guest, Amanda Schumann. And Amanda, you are one of the few guests that we've had on the show that is not a photographer. It is our privilege to have you here. Thanks for making time for us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And funny enough, I had a short, short stint as a photographer. Did you really? Um, back in college. So it really, it consisted of two engagement sessions and a wedding. Okay. And the wedding day, I was freaking out the entire time thinking of every possible terrible thing that could happen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, that's the end of that. Um, <laughs> that's the end of my photography career. I have to at least ask you what camera you used for, for the sessions and for the wedding. I honestly, I can't even, I couldn't even tell you this had to be nearly 10 years ago. Oh, now. no way. Okay. Yeah. So no, I, I, I was actually, I was in college at the time for, for branding and graphic design and I took photography classes as electives and I got that, that photography bug and I was like, Oh, I want to try this out. And then I was like, yep, nope. My nerves cannot handle this. I'm going back to design. <laughs> well, and, and you kind of gave it away, but for everybody listening in, Amanda is a brand and website designer, and um, we'll talk more about this here in just a little bit. And actually, more specifically, how to build an attention-grabbing client booking website. Uh, we're going to get into the details of that later on in our conversation. But Amanda, I, I can very much relate to the apprehension on the wedding day. That, so the first wedding that I ever photographed, this was back in 2001, a friend had recommended me to their friends to photograph the wedding. I'd never photographed a wedding before. My knowledge of photographing weddings came from looking at books and watching a photographer at a friend's wedding um, not too long beforehand. And actually, on the day of the wedding, I, I photographed it. ended up turning out okay, but I did actually, in the moment, miss the kiss between the bride and groom during the ceremony. And Oh, oh I know. And, and that's one of those... In fact, I think maybe my naivety and la lack of experience may have helped minimize the amount of stress that I felt when that happened. But what I did is I just went to the bride and groom and I said, Hey, look, I, I, I missed the kiss. Like I just, I didn't get it. Can we set that shot up? And they were as gracious as can be. Um, I only charged them $300. So maybe that's why they were gracious, but they were gracious as could be. We set the shot up with the wedding party, the minister and put it in the of course back then it was film and print. So we, we put it in the proof album in it in the appropriate order and you wouldn't have known the difference. I mean, it, it worked out beautifully uh, and luckily, fortunately, but um, yeah, I totally understand that freak out. Oh, props to you for having the courage to go back and tell them that you did not get the, the shot because <laughs> matching it in my head. And I'm like, there's no way that I would have, like, I could not go back and tell them that I would feel so bad. 
Oh, what I, I probably couldn't have handled the stress of knowing I missed it and then, you know, giving them the final product. But again, I was naive. I mean, I was all of 21 and this was just something that I was kind of jumping in. I wasn't even in a planned, I don't even know if it was a plan at that point to even go f- full time in wedding photography. I just dabbled. But from that point over the next year and a half, I shot about 15 weddings and then the following year I shot 30. So the, the business and myself and my business partner, um, we, we were able to grow it really, really quickly. And, um, luckily that first wedding chaos didn't turn into a nightmare for the business. So, yes, it wasn't like a foresee of your future. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but, um, I I appreciate that fun little intro and, and let's actually jump right in because you're in an interesting position. I mean, similar to photography, there are a lot of so-called brand designers, website designers these days. So you're in a really crowded marketplace, how do you sum up the business brand position for Carry Love Designs? What is the unique value proposition that you bring in your design business to the market? Yeah, so this took a lot of time figuring out. And what came down to it is I saw a lot of designers, website designers, brand designers, and all of their messaging was centered around creating this beautiful brand, this beautiful website. Oh, it's so beautiful. And that's something that didn't really resonate with me. Like I wanted some, I wanted all my, my brands and websites to be beautiful. Yes. But at the heart of everything that we do is strategy based. Like every single part of our process is rooted in strategy. So at the end of the day, all of our clients get beautiful brands and websites, but I am 50% analytical and 50% creative. (laughs) And so I take that analytical side and I apply it to making sure that every single one of our brands and websites has a purpose and is telling not only our client's story, but doing it in a way that resonates with their, their clients and ultimately gets them booked. And I think that's part of the process that a lot of designers skip. They don't want to do the analytical, like strategy, non-design parts. Mm. They just want to jump right into the design. And that's really doing a disservice because if you don't understand what the brand's message and who their ideal client is and what they're trying to achieve, then I don't understand how the designs can can accomplish that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm reading, I'm actually on the homepage of your site for everybody who's listening in. It's Carrie Love Designs. And by the way, wh- where does that name come from? <laughs> um, my name is Amanda, not Carrie. Right. <laughs> so I get that a lot. They're like, hey, Carrie. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to correct you. So <laughs> it actually is. So it actually means to like carry love throughout everything that we do. So yeah. carry love throughout designs, carry love throughout our process. So yeah. it's carry as in the verb. Okay. Very cool. And, and I like that. And there's, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, there's probably a lot that you could do with that, that name too. That's pretty cool. For those of you listening in, go to carrylovedesigns.com and you can see the website that I'm referencing, but I'm on the homepage. I would love to see like this, this tagline or position statement at the top of your website that says something like translating or using science to convert your, your clients or something to that effect, some, some reference to science. But if I scroll down a little bit, I see at Carrie Love Designs, and it says under our philosophy, there's a section here, at Carrie Love Designs, our approach to design is more of a science than an art. So you can open with that thought process. We know that beauty alone doesn't sell. That's why we believe pairing a beautiful brand aesthetic with an intentional website strategy 
is the cornerstone for success, booking clients effortlessly and creating a delightful online experience. So you beautifully sum it up there, the philosophy and, and the mission ultimately of your brand. And that does stand out because you're right. There's a lot of focus on the pretty and pretty may be attention grabbing initially, but then it has to take the client somewhere. And if you're not designing or developing a strategy that actually takes the client somewhere, then you're going to miss out on an opportunity to book those clients. So we're going to be talking about that so-called strategy here in just a little bit. But thanks for kind of introducing us to your brand a little bit, and particularly the brand position. And you know, for everybody listening in, Amanda mentioned something that is really important. When it comes to the idea of establishing a distinct brand position, she mentioned looking at what the other companies are doing and doing something different. We have a tendency as photographers in the photo industry, if you look around, you'll see photographers just kind of copying and pasting what their favorite photographers are doing, whether it's the style or the copy that's on the website, potentially a brand position of sorts. It's just kind of copy paste all over the place. And that's not helping you stand out. So Make sure that you're looking at the market as it stands, particularly your local market, and go a different direction or go the opposite direction, and there's an opportunity there for you to stand out. So thanks for that example, Amanda. Let me jump to the next question, though, and and this is one that we ask quite a bit here on the podcast. From all that you've learned as a business owner so far, what piece of advice would you be most apt to share with a fellow entrepreneur? So I wholeheartedly believe that in the beginning, if somebody is just starting out to take on every single uh, project that comes your way, do every single style of photography, every single session, every single everything, because for me, I wouldn't know that photographers and other creatives are where my heart lays if I wouldn't have done everything else under the sun. Um, and so I think that's important that sometimes we get told all creatives in every industry, they're like, know your worth, like don't take on, you know, free work, like understand who it is that you serve. And that's great once you get to like further in your business. But I wholeheartedly believe that in the beginning, take on every single project that you can get your hands on, because that's the only way that you're one, going to build up your portfolio, two, going to know what it is that you do and don't like. And that's the only way that you're going to to know um, what you're really good at as well. So that's my best piece of advice is to, to take on every single project and that's how you're going to find out what your jam is. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. I'm curious though, I, a lot of times photographers will take on kind of any and everything largely because they need to bring in cash, right? They need to make money in order to support themselves and or their family. Do you do you feel like there's opportunity to be more specific in what you take on if, you know, if there's somebody who is starting a business, they have money in the bank or maybe they're with a partner who is making money and already so they're not so strapped for cash and they have the opportunity to be really really focused to begin with. In that case, do you recommend a different approach or would you suggest this for everybody? I would recommend the same, the, the same approach. Um, and it's not so much cash or having to do with, with, um, any of that, that kind of stuff. It's more so just like, I, I'll, I'll take myself for an example. I have done branding and website designs for literally like probably every industry that you could, could think of. Like I've done pet boutiques. I've done, um, like tap coaches, everything that you can think of. And I, and I enjoyed those clients, but 
like wedding photographers, event planners, anything having to do with like the wedding industry is my absolute favorite. And I wouldn't know that if I hadn't taken on those other projects. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess somebody who has never been a photographer before, if they were to just make a decision based on whatever the whim was in the moment that may end up taking him down a road that is less than desirable. I I wonder, you know, we talk a lot about the idea of a big picture view here in the podcast. And and the, the notion there is you're, you establish first what you want for your personal life and you let that drive ultimately the business model you create, which of course then determines the clients that you're reaching out to the genre that you're photographing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're suggesting is maybe go explore, experiment a little bit before you really nail that down. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So for our clients, I don't usually take on any clients that are within their first year of business for that reason, because what happens is they'll end up putting thousands of dollars, investing it into their brand and website. And then a year from now they're like, Oh, well, uh, I don't like weddings. I don't enjoy photographing weddings. And so now they have this whole section dedicated to their, to their website about weddings and their brand strategy is focused on that. And, and, they don't like it anymore. That's not where their heart's at. So they've just invested all that money and it was ultimately a waste. Huh? Yeah. That's a really interesting point of consideration. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, um, that advice. And, um, certainly based on your experience, it's, it's helpful to know what you've seen and you've been in business. How long at this point altogether? So full time, three going on four years. Okay. But yeah, I graduated. I started my business whenever I graduated from college and that was like back in 2010 or 11, somewhere in that time frame. Okay. So you kind of dabbled for a bit and then you kind of went all in about three years ago. Yeah. So I had a marketing job in corporate America and I ended up getting fired from that job. And that's whenever I was like, so I think I'm just going to try to do this full time. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny. We, we have, um, I guess, many similarities or multiple similarities. I, I had, I was actually in the optics field or industry as an optician and I was working for a local practice and um, I, long story short, called out, it, it was a, it was a business. I don't want to give away too much information, but it was a business run by a couple of people, one of whom was being dishonest with the clients. And I called them out on that and their business partner didn't like the fact that I was calling them out on that. And so before they let me go, I left. And at that point I was a part-time photographer and that (laughs) naturally just kind of put me in a position where kind of like you're saying is like, well, I guess this is about that time that I need to go full-time. And um, that's what ended up happening. But um, I can very much relate to that. So, I mean, you've shared your experience and the most important piece of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur. But talk to me too, especially in the last few years about how you're managing time. Is there something that you do to more effectively create space for yourself, for the important people in your life while also running a business so you don't get totally burnt out? This is going to sound counterintuitive and you probably have heard it before, but I was one of those people where I'm like, no, that can't be true. It's not possible. And then it ended up happening and I was like, oh, they were were right. So I outsource a lot of stuff that doesn't require me to actually be doing it. Yeah. Um, 
I have about five people on my team um, who take care of different different aspects. So I have like a copywriter, design assistant specifically for websites, a marketing assistant. And that's how I'm able to, to one, grow my business, but two, have enough time to um, not only for my family and for I have a three-year-old daughter, but also taking time to do stuff like this, like interviews. And so that's, it sounds really counterintuitive because, you know, you're going to be paying out of your pocket for help. But in the end, I can take on so much more work and do other things to market my business that's going to end up growing it, that it's well worth it. And that's the key, right? It's it's the things that you're doing that actually help grow the business because a lot of photographers will hold on to various elements of their business the assumption being that there's no way that anybody else can do it as good as me or you know my client's going to notice if I'm not doing it and if if we all take a step back and are honest with ourselves we know that's not the case at least in most situations um, but the the assumption is that they have to hold on to it. The reality is they can give up a lot of that busy work that doesn't actually grow their business and then it frees them up frees them up mentally um, it also frees them up in time not only to give important or time to the important people in their life, but also to do things that will actually grow their business and that actually require their involvement. And that's something interesting that you said I want to ask you about. How did you decide what actually does require your involvement? What doesn't? Because again, it's very easy to be subjective here and just assume, well, if I don't do this, it's not going to be good enough. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of amusingly egotistical and at the end of the day. How did you make those decisions, those distinctions between the things that actually require involvement and those that don't? It's so funny. That's exactly what I used to tell myself. And something that I had to work through is like, nobody can, it's only done good if I'm doing it. Like nobody can do it as good as me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like I said, that's totally egotistical and that's really, that's really true. So for, for me and how I found out is this is going to be different for me because I'm a designer than it is for photographers, but maybe you can kind of meld it into your own business is I'll take a website for an example. So I'll do the, the de- complete design of the homepage for our clients' websites um, so that they can see the homepage for your website is the cover to your book. Like that's the most important page because if people can't get past your homepage, then there's no point to have any other page on your website. Right. Yeah. So I complete the website homepage for all of our clients and then I'll pass off like the other pages to design assistants so they can see what the design aesthetic is like and they can pull pieces from the homepage to create the other pages. And then anything and everything gets passed through me before it goes to the client. So at the end of the day, my eyes are on everything before a client sees it to make sure that, you know, it is something that I would send out to the client. Other than that, there's some things that just don't, it's really just letting go. It's uh, honestly, it's a mindset thing overall. Like even with social media, another thing that we, that I hand out to other people is the copywriting, like writing captions, not only for some of my own social media, but our clients as well that we do marketing for. I know that that is not my strong suit. I tried doing it for the longest time. I would A, hate that I would, was doing it because it's not something that I'm good at. But I still had that notion for some reason. It's only good if I do it myself. <laughs> yep. As soon as I passed it off to somebody who that is their strong suit, I was like kicking myself in the butt. Like, why was I trying to do this all along? Like, this is 10 times better you doing it than <laughs> me. And I have time to do something that I actually enjoy. 
That's cool. Uh, I'll, you've you've said it. I'm going to leave it. We'll move on. What is the most impactful business or self help book, maybe even a podcast that you've been reading or listened to in the recent last few? Well, the last few years. Yeah, let's say what what is your favorite? Uh, I'm a podcast listener mostly, and my favorite is. Steltzner. I can't think of his first name. All I know is Steltzner. It's social, the social media marketing world. He has a, a podcast Okay. and it comes out every new episodes, every Friday. And he has like the most insightful guests on the, the podcast. It's social media marketing with Michael Steltzner. And I can't tell you, there's like so many podcast episodes that I just want to pass along to my team. I'm like, listen to this listen to this because every single guest that he has just amazes me. Really? Okay. And is he pulling people from social media marketing worlds uh, or that industry or does he have a variety of people on? So it's mostly people that are within the, the social media marketing world. Okay. And I'm, I'm actually, I just pulled it up here. I, I use an app called Pocket Casts for podcast listening and I just pulled it up and subscribe. So I'm going to have to check that out. And of course, for everybody listening in, if, if you're curious, you can do a quick search on your podcast app, but we'll also link to this and all the other resources that we mentioned today during the episode in the show notes, Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Shout out to Haley for putting all those together for us. The talking points from today will also be in there and you can find that there, bocapodcast.com. You can also find them if you just go to the show notes in your podcast app. But um, thanks for that share. If you're looking for like an episode to start with, he recently did one. It's called Neuroscience and Marketing. And it's how people make decisions. And it's it's a great episode. Perfect. Yeah, that's episode 385. They released on December 20th. So I just added that to my queue. And um, this is this is really interesting. I, I've listened to, I actually have it bookmarked. It's called Perpetual Traffic. Have you heard of that podcast before? No, I haven't. It centers around Facebook marketing, but it is social media marketing just what it says. It kind of it deals with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, multiple platforms. Ultimately, as I mentioned, it's it's focused on the Facebook platform, but with Michael Steltzner's podcast, is that does it deal with not just Facebook but Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, et cetera? Does it cover a variety of platforms? Yeah, every single platform and YouTube as well. I think the only one you didn't mention that oh. covers too. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to link to that. Let's jump to websites though. We've, we've kind of touched on them a little bit here and there. And you know, I have to say, first of all, what, it's so easy now to create a website. In fact, when I hear photographers kind of stressing out over putting off, putting their website together, updating their website, uh, it's a little bit confusing to me because I think about a, a website like, well, first of all, show it. Um, I know that you designed for show it and shout out to Todd Watson, who's been on the podcast multiple times. He's, he's a longtime friend of ours. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got templates there that you can just kind of plug and play. If you want to go the custom route, you can customize it or you can have somebody like Amanda do that. And you have other platforms as well, like like Squarespace, for example, that you, you literally just pick a template, put some images in, type some text, and you've got a website. I mean, you could have a website up in a couple of hours, whatever the the platform these days that you use. It's pretty brilliant. And, but as you mentioned earlier, Amanda, there's, there's a difference between um, a, a website that's pretty, but then a website that has been strategically designed to convert potential clients or ultimately put, convert potential clients to loyal customers. And so what, first of all, I mean, if, if you were to, 
I guess if you were to look at the photography industry as a whole, because I know that's where you spend a lot of your time, what would you say is one of the biggest shortcomings? We're going to, we have some talking points here about strategy, but I'm just curious to get your take on this. What is one of the biggest issues that you see with websites kind of across the board that's actually hurting photographers when it comes to converting clients? They focus only on the photography a lot of the websites that I go to, I do something. I have a Facebook group and inside the Facebook group, I go on website safaris where I will go into Google, share my screen, and I will just bring up random photography websites and we'll go through them. I, this is just like a spitball number. I bet you 80% of the websites that I bring up, the homepage is like nothing but photos. Hmm. There's no, you can tell there's no strategy and there's no copy in the words, like the, the photography is what's going to immediately grab somebody's attention, but it's the words that's really going to sell them. And I think that is something that the photography industry as a whole just doesn't pay attention to. Well, and, and not only the copy that is at least introducing them to the brand, but then like a simple call to action many times is probably missing yeah. as well, right? Yes. Just like copy in general. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll leave that alone for now, but let me ask you first, when we talk about capturing a potential client's attention, when they land on their website, you mentioned something to me, which is this, the 10 second test. What is this about? Yeah. And actually it sh- I've had it called the 10 second test for years now. It should probably be more like the five second test now. Yep. Uh, people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. So true. Yes. So within 10 seconds, which probably is shorter than that now, um, within 10 seconds of somebody landing on your website, they should be able to tell what it is that you do, who it is you serve, and what are the next steps? How do they, how do they purchase from you? Or like, what's the next step in the process? I like that. I'm, I'm actually writing notes down here as we're talking. So that, that's why the little bit of delay, um, what you do, who you serve, and then what to do. Yeah, Next. which kind of dive into each one a little bit more. Yeah, let, let's let's do that. So what you do, I mean, we were earlier, we were talking about the significance of brand position. Brand position, I guess, naturally, in many cases, encompasses the actual service. But how would you define this idea of what you do? Or how do you recommend that they communicate what they do? Yeah, so it's kind of twofold. We want what you do to be clearly and plainly stated. So if you are a wedding photographer, for example, we want it to say Austin based wedding photographer. You don't want to say one, no location at all. That's another huge pet peeve is you, I cannot tell you how many people who are location based businesses do not have their location on their website. And it blows my mind. Um, But two, clearly state what it is that you do. So say wedding photographer, don't say, knitting together love stories like that doesn't somebody who comes to your website is going to be confused by that and they need to understand what it is that you do very quickly yeah there's various directions that i kind of want to go here but i mean the the knitting together (laughs) love stories we're going to talk about the about page here in just a little bit um which is just i'm so excited about because uh, well, we'll leave that alone for the moment, but knitting together love stories. So this is a perfect example. If if, there, if somebody listening and has something like this on their website, it's cute. It's romantic. It sounded really nice when you thought of it at, you know, 1030 at night while you were watching Netflix and, and trying to put together a website design. But the reality is it's cute to you. And as Amanda points out, there's it doesn't actually communicate not only 
what you do, but where you do it, who you're serving, and, and ultimately how you're doing or offering the service differently than any, other, any of the other competition in that market. So, man, I'm so glad that you point this out. And, and when you, and I'm, I'm thinking about too, I started writing this down. If, if the photographer had something more like wedding photographer serving Austin brides and grooms or something like that, that would at least simplify the communication of what they do and who they're serving, right? Yeah. And so for the second part, the who it is that you serve, you want to have some sort of like personality element there. I think if you mentioned, if you go to my website, um, it says the potential that Joanna Gaines sees in houses I see in websites. And the reason that that's there is because a lot of my clients are obsessed with Chip and Joanna Gaines. I'm I'm located in Austin, Texas. So I'm not too far from Waco. Okay. And I guess it's something about my design style. I don't know. Everybody that I know is obsessed with Joanna Gaines. And so that is kind of a little bit of a shout out to like, hey, you're my you're my ideal client. If you like Joanna Gaines, then hey. <laughs> so you still want to okay. have that a little bit of like personality and pizzazz that will be memorable and kind of give a shout out to who it is that you want to serve. But also if you see on my website, if anybody's going to look at it, it still says that we are an award-winning brand and show it design studio. Yeah. For creatives and actually in, in a little bit smaller font at the top, right underneath the navigation, it says a brand show it design studio for creatives who've outgrown their existing brand and want to take it to the next level. Uh, which in and of itself is kind of an interesting brand position almost on its own. But nonetheless, um, that's interesting. So instead of, I mean, you could easily shout out whoever it is very, very specifically that you're serving, but you're doing so in kind of an indirect way that is a little bit fun and creative. And uh, that's a different example of how you can go about this process of speaking to who you serve. Yeah. One of my, um, one of my, my students within, I have the website Academy, which is a live course that I, that I take students through. And he put on his website, faith-driven couples that wanted a marriage centered around God. And for the longest time, he was hesitant to put that, but he was like, no, those are my people. Like, those are who I want to serve. And so adding in something like that is a, another good example. Yeah, specificity. I mean, you're talking about immediately creating a filter for the people that are coming to that website. And again, especially if it's at the very top, we're talking above the fold, they don't have to scroll to see it. Immediately you're communicating what service you offer, how you do so uniquely, who you are serving. And then you you said the third thing is what to do next. What do you mean by that? So the the easiest way is in the the best way is in like the top right-hand corner say something like get started or reserve your date. Please don't use like learn more or uh, what's another one that I see a lot. Uh, Book a consultation, something like that. It's fine to use that in some places, but what I recommend for my clients is changing up the wording. So you'll notice on my website, there's probably like before you scroll down three different ways to, to book a a call with me and something that I recommend is saying the same thing in different ways on your website that takes them to the same action. And so for most of wedding photographers or or photographers in general, you want them to fill out a form on your website. That's the one main goal that your website is wanting them to do. And so have that button 
everywhere. Um, have it on the footer, have it in the top right hand corner, have contact on your on your menu bar, and then have it in different places on the page where it makes sense. And make sure that the wording is all different because contact may not drive somebody to click on that button, but uh, reserve your date or check to see if your date's available, something like that, that may pique their interest. So when you talk about learn more, I mean, it, that's an example in my mind of a kind of a soft sell almost, but you're saying be more direct. Is that right? So you can have one on your website that says learn more, but what I notice a lot of a lot of the websites, they don't add any personality. And so their call to actions get lost. And so don't be afraid. The call to actions are one place where you can add in personality. Okay. Interesting. So, and I, I was actually, while you were talking, I pulled up the, the photographer's edit website and um, the, the call to action that we have there is just very simply create an account. Would you, would you say that needs more personality or can you be that, that direct and that simplistic about that call to action? I think that that's a, that's a good call to action. That doesn't, usually people have like a sign in or sign up or something like that. It's just having that one call to action that will, or having, I guess, several call to actions uh, that are fun and unique are going to grab somebody's attention. If you see learn more or contact over and over and over again, they become vanilla and your eyes will just scroll across them and it doesn't pique somebody's interest to actually. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's a really good recommendation. All right. So we talked about the 10 second test. And of course that encompasses three ideas, what you do, who you serve and what to do next. Your, your potential client, if they land in your site and we, and as you pointed out earlier, Amanda, really it's five seconds. I'm, I'm still, I think back again to an example I've shared before in the podcast of my son going through, he, he, he liked an Instagram post that I made. And I think I asked him a question about it. He didn't have any idea what the what the post was about. And of course, this is not meant to be a criticism of him. It's just an example of the the behavior that most people take when it comes to looking at consuming media these days. So they're in a kind of a scrolling mentality, a glancing mentality. And so the reality is 10 seconds probably is way, way too long. We need to be able to do this within just two or three, four or five seconds max. So if they mm-hmm. land on your website, they need to know immediately what you do, who you serve, and what to do next. And you can be a little bit cute and creative in that, but save the majority of that maybe for a different place on the website. Make it simple for them to find out what you do uniquely, who you serve, what to do next. Okay, so that's the the so-called 10-second, and we'll call it the five-second test. Um, right. <laughs> let's, let's jump to the next talking point, though. And you know, I think most photographers assume that their about page is this, just that. It's, it's a place to talk about themselves, maybe make a personal connection with a potential client. But you argue that many about pages actually have the potential of being a sales tool, which is really a vastly different take than what I'm seeing exemplified on most photographers' websites these days. Can, can you kind of expound on that? Yeah. So I do think that there should be at the very bottom of every about page, like you should still talk about yourself, especially for creatives, because uh, if you are like a wedding photographer, you are going to be spending a lot of time with the couple and they probably are going to want to know about you. But using this about page can be a sales tool. And so it's really just about reframing your your thinking whenever you go to the about page and thinking about it as how can my service help them? 
How can I describe what it is that I do in a way that will pinpoint their problem and put my product or service as the solution to that problem? Hmm. I love that. I mean, the focus there again, and we've talked quite a bit lately about uh, building a story brand, Donald Miller, and he he talks about Mm -hmm. how important it is to focus on how you add value to somebody's life. If we're always talking about ourselves, uh, there may be a time to talk about ourselves or share a little bit about ourselves for the sake of personal connection. But if that's what we're starting with, we're missing out on the opportunity to to share how we're going to add value to this potential client's life, how we're going to make their life better, how we're going to help them feel better about, you know, fill in the blank, whatever the service or the product is that you're trying to sell. That's got to be the focus. And, um, and, and frankly, and maybe I'm just kind of projecting on, on the conversation here because I know this is something I need to continue to work on in my personal life, but I think we should take this to our personal lives as well. How can we in our personal lives and the relationships, the people that we engage with, whether it's a conversation and passing quickly at Walmart or it's at home with our significant other, whatever the case, how can we add value to their life? That's got to be the focus. And the, the difference that will make in our experience in life and, and business will be dramatic. Um, I know that I've experienced it. It, it just, if, and it, it feels good at the end of the day. We're talking about making people feel good. It feels good to, to have that focus. So I'll, I'll stop my rant, but I love that you highlight the significance of this. Uh, but, but take us a step further. So for the focus first is talking about how we add value to their lives. So maybe it piques their interest if that value proposition resonates with them, it's some, if it's something that they are looking for. But then what's the next step from there? Yeah, so then the, the next part is really, this is a great part or a great uh, part on your website, once again, to start nailing it down on who it is that you want to serve and mm. talking more about what to expect with your service. What, uh, what is the experience like and diving into a little bit of that. It's really taking that, that unique value proposition that you talked about and weaving that into the about page. Because I, I tell my students inside the website Academy all the time, I'm like, people are selfish Whenever they come to your website, most of the time, what a lot of my, my students have, they'll have like their opening like image that's like a full screen image and then they scroll down and it's like the photographer holding the camera and it's like, hi, I'm Megan. And then it's like a paragraph talking about themselves. I'm like, people don't care about you whenever they first get to the website. That's a great to have, like I said, on the bottom part of the about page. But whenever somebody first comes to your website, you have to keep in mind that one, they're looking at 10 plus other people's websites at the same time. And they don't, they don't care about you at first. You have to make sure that they know what it is that you do. And once again, that value that you're adding to their life before they take a personal interest in who you are as a person. Well, yeah. And and one of the best examples of this uh, is it it just cracks me up for whatever reason is photographers endlessly talking about their favorite foods or the type of coffee drink that they like to drink. I mean, again, this is, there's opportunity to be able to connect with somebody on a personal level over things that you enjoy at a later time. But the, the immediate focus should be on how you add communicating, how you add value to whoever your target client is. And for, again, for everybody listening in, if you go to carrylovedesigns.com to the about page and big font above the fold, the first, the big text that jumps out at you, it says, we help you create a profitable brand so you can make more money doing what you love. 
Amanda doesn't say, I love eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and drinking a latte while I watch Netflix. That's not the primary focus. Maybe some of that later down, later on down, down the page, but the focus immediately is how she adds value. If I scroll a little bit more, she's not then immediately talking about yourself. She says, go from incredibly overwhelmed about where to start to knowing how to attract with your ideal client. And then I, I love this, and it's very appropriate for this conversation. You say, I'll cut to the chase. Building a brand and designing a website is hard. It's also not what you had in mind when you decided to take your passion and turn it into a full-time business. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, anxious, or confused about how to create a brand or build your website, then you're not alone. Let's be real. You want to build an empire while having enough time to spend with your kids and maybe even catch the latest episode of The Bachelor. We help creatives pair beautiful brand design with an intentional website strategy so they can book more clients and make more money doing what they Love. A thoughtfully crafted brand can help you attract more ideal clients effortlessly and take your business to the next level. And Amanda, you mentioned that if you scroll further down that you know they can learn more about, I mean, it, there are pictures of your team and um, I think a little bit more about you as well. But the, the thing that I land on um, is how you make a difference in my life as a business. And I'll continue to stress this on the podcast because we all need to do it more effectively. But this is a great example of how to do this. And for everybody listening, and make sure you check it out. So thank you. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on this, Amanda. But I want to jump to the last kind of points of conversation and strategy when it comes to building a website that not only grabs attention, but ultimately converts clients. And that is something that you call the Hansel and Gretel method. What is this about? Uh, yes, the Hansel and Gretel method. This one is one of my personal favorites. Uh, <laughs> and so well, let's take a step back. One of the first things that you have to know for your website is what is the one main goal that you want your website to have. So for a lot of uh, creatives, it is having them fill out a contact form or going straight into booking like a consultation call. That's what it is for, for most people. One thing that I see a lot of people do is they don't have a one main goal. They want people to sign up for their newsletter list and then also book a call and also fill out a form. And they don't have just like this one main goal. So that's the first step before we can dive into the Hansel and Gretel method is okay. to make sure you have one main goal. Yeah. that And that's when we were talking earlier about the call to action or the CTA, that's what we're talking about there, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to be on, that's going to be one page. So a certain page of your website is going to be the one main goal. You're trying to get them to take action on this one page for most, it's going to be the contact page. Yeah. And I actually clicked on that, that call to action at the top right hand corner, as you mentioned of your website, click here to schedule a call. It takes me to the contact page and it just says, let's connect, have questions, curious about the next steps. I would love to, love to get on the phone with you and chat about how I can serve your business there's a button there to book a free consultation. Uh, there's also a form just further down that they can fill out and submit. So uh, again, for everybody listening in, make sure you go to carrylovedesigns.com and you can see what we're talking about. And I will tell you the contact page is very bland and has nothing going on except the, the form on purpose. Because once somebody gets to that page, I want them to not have any other distractions of hmm. places go and fill out that form or book a call. And I noticed actually, to, to your point, that the FAQs are further down. Now, I'll add a caveat here with, with Photographer's Edit, we're working with a really large number of clients. So we can't effectively take every single call, for example, that somebody might want to schedule. We try to answer as many questions through our support site or FAQ site as possible. But do you, 
Do you feel like this hurts your business at all to have the FAQs further down instead of using them as kind of a filter so that the calls that you do get are actually good use of your time? What are your thoughts on that? So I don't know if it's maybe the marketing that we have. I know really, um, I can tell whenever somebody fills out my form, if they're going to be a good fit or not, just by the language that they use and kind of where they're, they say that they're at in business. I don't really use the FAQs as, as a filter. I use them more so for SEO purposes. They're a great okay. way to add in keywords. Okay. That's good to know. And, and certainly a good point of conversation. And I know that the context is different with photographers edit in comparison to a sole proprietorship, like the photography business that I help run or that many of the photographers that are listening in might be running. But I was, I was curious about that. So um, they click on that. It takes them to the page and then talk to us about what this, this Hansel and Gretel method is. What's that about? Yeah. So for a lot of, uh, this is just people in general. I think what they don't understand is that you're the one leading the viewer through your website. You should be telling them what page you want them to view in what order. Hmm. That doesn't mean that everybody goes through that same pathway, but you should be leading them. And so at the end of every single page, you should have a one main call to action where if they don't want to think and they're not looking for a specific page, place that they will click on that call to action and they will lead themselves down basically the rabbit hole of getting to your contact page. So for a lot of photographers, they'll start on the homepage, then they may go over to um, have their one main call to action. And and basically what the idea is, is that you are leaving breadcrumbs at the end of every page Uh um, so that they can find their way to your end goal. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because again, and I tend to be I'm a self-proclaimed minimalist, but what that also tends to mean, I've realized that I'm a little bit too simplistic in my thinking a lot of times when it comes to design and strategy. And what you're suggesting is that they need to think, as you said before, not just about pretty pictures or talking about themselves, but also think about how they're actually guiding step-by-step, guiding their clients or potential clients through the website. They need to know what to do next, as you said at the beginning. Yeah. So if you have Google Analytics set up on your website, you can go into your account and on the left-hand side, there's a tab that says behavior and you can look at the behavior flow. And what that is, is telling you, okay, people who land on your homepage, where are they going next? It shows you the flow of your website. And this is good for two different reasons. It'll tell you one, what calls to actions to put on what page, because that's how most people are viewing your website. But two, it'll also show you how many people are dropping off or leaving your website yeah. on what pages. Yep. So if you notice that everybody goes from your homepage to your portfolio page, and then they make it to your experience page and they drop off, that means that they left your website. That means that either you're probably, you might not have your pricing on your website, but maybe you do have your pricing on your website and you're attracting a, a lower crowd and they can't afford your pricing once they see it. Or you can just tell using that, um, that tab, what pages need your attention and kind of go through brainstorming how you can make those pages better. Really a lot of websites and analytics is just a whole bunch of tweaking and testing. Well, and and Google analytics fortunately has, um, at least slowly anyway, become more user-friendly as well. And so 
jumping in there. I mean, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, it may have seemed a little bit more confusing. I think they're making it a little bit easier to look at and use now. But for those of you listening in, if, if you haven't had your web designer plug that code in for you yet so that you can actually track this data, again, it's, it's not just about, there's nothing wrong. I want to be very clear. As much as we're kind of being a little cynical about the idea of a pretty website today, there's, I mean, more power to you. Create this, the, the most beautiful website possible. But and, and for that matter, the most beautiful imagery possible. Never want to minimize any of that. But at the end of the day, we also have to be intelligent business owners. And that involves strategy. It involves looking at data and acting intelligently on that data, not just based on so-called gut feeling, because gut feeling will get us in trouble a lot of times. I mean, you could have had bad pizza the night before, and that just literally and figuratively throws off your gut feeling. Um, it, it's just too variable. Having actual data to make decisions based on uh, will make a big, big difference. So doing something like plugging that Google Analytics code into your site so you can start looking at client or traffic behavior on your site is a really, really... I mean, if you don't take anything away from this conversation today, you're still going to have a massive value add uh, because that will make a big difference in how you actually go about designing that site or having a website designer put together the site. It's based on actual information, actual data. So that's a really great point of reference. And uh, this has been a really helpful conversation in general, Amanda. Of course, we've we've just kind of scratched the surface. And naturally, you offer services to photographers, helping them design websites. So I want to give you a little plug here and and ask you to go ahead and share one more time with our listeners where they can learn not only more about your service, but also the community that you referenced as well. Oh, yeah. If you want to uh, check out, I have a free Facebook community. That's where I do those website safaris. Um, and you can go to carrylovedesigns.com slash Facebook, and it will redirect you into the group. Other than that, I hang out on Instagram a lot. That's like my place. So, and it's at carrylovedesigns on Instagram as well. And you have a podcast as well? Yeah, I do. It's called the Brand and a Plan podcast. Um, and it goes more into um, branding, website design, and just marketing in general. Okay. So we'll, of course, we'll link to that as well. And it's also linked from the website here. And wow. I mean, this is, again, it's been such a wonderful, we were talking about the significance of adding value. That is my biggest goal with the Boca podcast. And Amanda, you've done a beautiful job. And, and I have to thank you very much for helping us do just that, of adding value to our audience today. These have been great talking points. And for those of you listening in, make sure you go check out Amanda's site and the services that she offers. We'll link to all this in the show notes along with the talking points at bocapodcast.com or in the show notes on your podcast app. But um, thanks again, Amanda, for making time for us. Yeah, of course. I could talk about this all day. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.